Is my stress response benefiting me or anybody else right now? That simple question can start to tip the brain to ask, oh, maybe I don't need to react this way. You are listening to the Synergy Women podcast, brought to you by women's resilience coach, Nikki Hamilton. Nikki offers expertise in women's health and has an inspiring passion for helping women navigate through grief and life's challenges to help transform and build resilience with grace, courage, and authenticity. Each episode, she will explore an aspect of women's health, offering you insights on ways to build your body, your mind, and your heart health to help you rise up with resilience. In this episode, we will explore mind health for women. As a mindfulness meditation teacher and a Martini facilitator, Nikki loves helping women with their mind health. So welcome everybody. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Synergy Women podcast. My name's Nikki Hamilton and I really look forward today to sharing with you a little about stress and how it affects or can affect your mind health. So if you're a woman that's currently been navigating a challenging time in your life or perhaps experiencing more stress than usual, you might be finding uh, or experiencing symptoms such as forgetfulness, reactivity, brain fog, an inability to make decisions, and perhaps a feeling of overwhelm. And these are all really common symptoms that can occur in the presence of chronic or prolonged stress. So what we're gonna be exploring today is understanding what is the stress response and how exactly does it affect your brain? I'll also then be going through some really practical tips that you can start to try to see if you can start calming your own nervous system, improving and managing your stress response, which in turn has a great outcome often with your own mind health. So let's get started just by understanding what the stress response actually is. And what the stress response is, is your own body's response to perceived threat. And I I use the word perceived because it's not necessarily an actual threat that triggers the response, it's a perceived threat. And so if if I give you this example, if you can imagine me uh, walking along a bush track and I see in the corner of my eye a really great big long stick. Now the image of the stick will go into my brain and there's a part of my brain called my amygdala. That's a fancy name for a stress button. My stress button will see that image of the stick and start to think, I wonder if this is a snake and it will press the stress button, which sends a cascade reaction down into my body and starts my accelerator pedal going in my nervous system, which is the sympathetic nervous system. And that response gets me ready to run and and start to um, look after or protect my own safety. Now, the amygdala or that stress button isn't necessarily a very accurate place in your brain so like I said it's a pretty quick reactive sort of place if something looks like a snake and it's actually a stick it might say oh I think it's a snake Uh, so it hasn't necessarily got a clear picture of things Uh, however it's designed to help you with your safety it's got your safety in mind and will press a stress button in your brain which sends you I call it into the red zone which is like your accelerator pedal in the car and everything starts to become reactive So the the cascade reaction that happens in the brain and the body after the the stress button has been pressed are symptoms of your heart rate increasing, your blood pressure increasing, your muscles getting ready to, to run. So all of the blood goes to the muscles ready to run, which is actually really handy because if I do see a snake and it's coming at me or attacking me, it's really good to be able to get ready to run away from that pretty quickly. So it's a handy response. Helps me save my life potentially. 
other symptoms of uh, the stress response or that accelerator pedal or like I said the red zone uh, happening in your body are perhaps lopsided opinions quick reactive judgments so I've seen a stick I think it's a snake and I'm already reacting so sometimes that quick to react and maybe a lopsided opinion or a quick to judge place can happen in the brain it sets up in the brain I guess like a you versus me response like a battle ready zone Uh, so when you're in a battle ready zone you're not really working collectively as a team Uh, you start looking out for number one and one and only person and that's you which means everybody around you can start to become a part of your battle zone so if you've been experiencing symptoms like your heart rate's up uh, excessively blood pressure is up your muscles are tight these are all symptoms of chronic stress but that kind of battle ready zone approach in the mind is often uh, one of the other symptoms that can occur which just creates like a you versus me reactive kind of mindset I guess now that stress response is in actual fact very handy in certain circumstances like I said if I'm walking along a bush track and I do see a snake that stress response means I run and get out of the way pretty quickly uh, which benefits and saves my life if for example another handy place for the stress response to work would be is if you see a child about to run across a road the stress button is pressed in your brain it sends out a cascade reaction into the red zone your muscles get tight and ready to run your blood's diverted to your muscles your heart rate goes up and you run as fast as you can and you catch that kid so the stress response I think is not a bad thing I think we we blame it on a lot of things in actual fact without a little bit of the sympathetic nervous system working in our bodies we have trouble getting out of bed Uh, so we do need our sympathetic nervous system or that red zone to fire off a little because it's the accelerator pedal that starts us going and it means when that accelerator pedal is is tuned in very quickly to a to an actual threat uh, we have a greater chance of saving our own life or perhaps saving somebody else's life for example if you see a child about to run across a road so these are all good examples of where the stress response is actually very beneficial for us now the other part of the brain that I wanted to talk about in this in this podcast is is in actual fact what's called our prefrontal cortex and I'll just call it the executive center of the brain so it's it's basically a place between your eyes in your forehead that's where it's located and that prefrontal cortex when it's working really well is a place that can make decisions is a place that can see all sides it's a place that has empathy and compassion for people around you uh, it means it creates a we inclusive uh, kind of state of mind so how can we work together as a team to solve a problem how can I work with my neighbors how can I work with my family and it, it creates like I said a you and me together state of mind so the prefrontal cortex is a really important place in our brains. Like I said, it's, it's, it's often called the executive center for a very good reason, because it means when it's working well, we actually have the ability to see the big picture and then to make a decision clearly after seeing all signs with some decisiveness. And it's a bit more of an objective place in the brain because it sees all sides it is a little bit more objective the downside of the prefrontal cortex is it's a little bit slower than the stress button area so a little bit slower now what we know about the brain uh, and brain health is that ultimately the amygdala or the stress button area and the prefrontal cortex or the executive center those two places in the brain work a little bit like a seesaw now it's not an exact seesaw 
we do need a little bit, like I said, a little bit of our stress response or sympathetic nervous system to be working just to get us out of bed and to keep us alert. Otherwise, we're kind of lying in a hammock all day and our brain doesn't work at all. So we, we do need a little bit of sympathetic response just for our alertness uh, in our brain. However, um, once our stress button and our stress response starts to increase too much or beyond a certain point, I, I call it the brain seesaw in that the prefrontal cortex or that executive center in the brain that can plan and make decisions and see all sides, it starts to drop down a bit like a seesaw. So the stress button goes up and our ability to see all sides and make a clear decision suddenly starts to drop or diminish and when you're in that place that's when you start to get that kind of overwhelmed feeling like I can't make a decision I, I feel foggy and, and forgetful and suddenly you can't see all sides anymore you start to become a little bit more reactive judgmental and you start to have a battle ready zone in your brain and your body which essentially means small things start to create emotional reactions in you because you feel like you're in that fight-or-flight response pretty much all the time so that is how the stress response can start to affect our brain health and our ability to see things with calm objectivity is that that we're in when we're in a chronic stress response period for a long period of time and i'm not just talking okay i i saved a kid from running across the road and now the stress has passed and i'm relaxed again that's a very short-lived stress response uh, and that's actually beneficial and your brain calms down quite quickly after that but if you've got a prolonged uh, period where you're perceiving threat and your stress button and your sympathetic nervous system or your red zone nervous system uh, is elevated for a long period of time, the executive center in the brain starts to, starts to suffer. Now the executive center in the brain is also linked to what we call the parasympathetic nervous system, which is essentially what I call the green zone. So like a calming place in the body, a bit like the brake in your car, it just allows you to pull into a petrol station and refuel. So the calming zone in your body uh, means that you can rest and digest. So when this nervous system's functioning well, you can digest your food a little bit better, your muscles uh, relax more, your breathing rate uh, changes and slows down. So these are all uh, symptoms of the calming uh, parasympathetic nervous system uh, coming into play. And we do need both. We need an accelerator and we need a brake. That's really normal. Same as our cars. We need an accelerator and we need a brake. Uh, and these things are really important. But too often in our lives, we are spending time with the accelerator pedal on constantly without having any, having any time to refuel, and that eventually starts affecting our brains. Uh, so, so far, what I, I'm, I'm trying to convey is, firstly, stress is not actually a bad thing. Sometimes it is a necessary thing, and it's an important thing, say, for example, if you're about to be in a car accident, your stress levels go up and your muscles react really quickly to avoid a car accident, or you might save a kid from a road, for example, as I said, or you might run away from a snake. That Stress is not a bad thing, and you do need a little bit of stress in your life just to stay alert and motivated. I certainly recall, even in my university days, that uh, if I had an assignment due or I had an exam, I responded much better to exam pressure because it was like, oh my God, accelerator pedal, I've got to learn this, get going. So sometimes the accelerator pedal, a little bit of that actually helps you uh, function in your daily life and sometimes it can benefit you. But over prolonged periods of time, like I said, it starts to affect your executive center in your brain and your capacity to plan, make decisions and see things from all sides. And we all really want a brain that can make decisions with clarity, with wisdom, with insight. 
the ability for our brains to uh, function for the greater good and to have uh, everyone's best interests at heart and to hold empathy and compassion. And if this prefrontal cortex or this executive centre of the brain is uh, constantly diminished because of our own internal reactivity to a stress response, then we're not necessarily functioning in uh, the most positive state that we can be in and we're not necessarily making decisions from a positive or a, a, a centered place if that makes sense centered as opposed to lopsided so we understand that stress is not necessarily a bad thing we understand that the stress response is a response to perceived threat which essentially sometimes is a real threat like a snake sometimes our perceived threat is that my family's driving me crazy right now or I have 3,000 emails and I can't cope, or my boss is making me stay back late at night and I'm hungry and tired, or I'm running late for an appointment, or um, these internal stresses that we have, we start to perceive as, an, as a threat and our brain starts pressing that stress button, even though there's no snake in sight, even though that no one's gonna necessarily um, um, have their safety compromised, uh, but our body just gets into that habitual reaction of this is a problem, I'll press the stress button and away we go. And you do that again and again and again in response to too many emails, in response to a phone call, in response to someone's posted something on a Facebook community page that I disagree with and I'm going to jump on in. And all of these reactions slowly build up to, to create this prolonged period of stress, which just makes you more reactive and means that your brain struggles to make decisions with clarity and it means that your brain is constantly functioning with that slight feeling of overwhelm <laughs> uh, and brain fog. And these are all the symptoms that can happen. Uh, now there are certain things that, typical things that, that trigger the stress button. Things can include, or certain events uh, can include uncertainty. So if you're going through a period of uncertainty in your life, it's very common for your stress button zone to be a bit more reactive. Uh, and so we've seen that through the COVID period with a lot of uncertainty that people have around their health or their finances or their jobs. And suddenly everybody's stress buttons are firing off and it becomes a battle zone, you versus me. And that's a really common reaction to a perceived stress response that's generated or heightened because of uncertainty. So, so your stress button is there to save your life in, in, when, when you have an actual threat and it just becomes highly sensitized and more readily pressed if you're in a situation where you've got a lot of uncertainty. So uncertainty, fear, lack of control and certain emotional states are all really common scenarios where that stress button just becomes a little bit more sensitized and just gets pressed a bit more readily. Don't go away, we've got more Synergy Women coming up, but first, let's take a quick break. Would you like to learn more about the Rise Up Method and how it can help offer you a clear framework to overcome life's challenges? See our website, synergywomen.com.au. I guess really the tips to try and manage your own stress response it, it won't change, uh, there's nothing that I can offer that will help you change stressful events in your life. Stressful events will happen, a child will run across the road, or you'll be in a near car accident, or you might be bitten by a snake. Stressful events are actually going to happen to anybody's, in anybody's life at certain times, there's no changing that. But what, what I do want to convey is that 
our own internal response to perceived threat is something that we have control over. And it's something that we can change, but it just takes a little bit of effort. It's not necessarily an easy easy thing because it's a very automated uh, reaction. It's, it's not something that we necessarily consciously think of. It happens underneath the radar without our conscious input necessarily. Uh, so there are a few things that you can start to do to, to start calming your stress response. And essentially what we're trying to do is to tip the seesaw. So we want the red zone to be able to calm down a little bit. And we want the green zone or the executive center to be able to boost up a little bit. So the seesaw tips back to a place where your brain can then operate in a place of executive decision, of seeing all sides and being able to see the big picture. Uh, so there are a few things that I think uh, need to happen in order to start tipping the seesaw. The first thing, the green zone or the prefrontal cortex or the executive center, that place in the middle of your forehead, that place lights up um, more readily and more often when you're experiencing the emotions or the feelings of compassion or empathy. So if you want to start getting healthier in your executive center, start practicing empathy and compassion because this is one thing that can certainly light up and strengthen that center. And if that center of empathy or compassion is lit up within your brain, your stress response kind of drops down a little bit. It's, it's, it's something that can tip the seesaw. And so empathy and compassion simply means that if I have a situation with my neighbors or my, or my teammates or people in the street uh, where I might be maybe more reactive than I need to be uh, when, I'm, when I'm under the influence of my red zone stress, you versus me button. Part of it is just saying to yourself, you know, this person just like me is doing the very best they can in life with the tools and resources that they have. This person just like me is doing the very best they can with the tools and resources that they have. Uh, so understanding that whatever you encounter with people around you, for the most of it, people are just doing their best. And to to slip into a lopsided judgment, opinion, reaction, and then you versus me argument doesn't necessarily benefit your own brain health. And sometimes it doesn't even get an outcome that's positive or, 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 or fruitful or, or rewarding anyway. So switching on your empathy button doesn't mean you need to put other people's needs above yours. That's not what I'm saying but it, it does mean that you have the capacity to see someone else's side and to go, well, do you know what? They're probably just doing their best. And we don't know what's happened to other people in the lead up to our interactions with them. So somebody that you have an interaction in the supermarket with somebody, you don't know what's happened to that person earlier in the day or that week or that year. You don't know what's happened to them in their life. Uh, and so having an open-minded, empathetic and compassionate uh, state of mind means that you're more willing to see all sides which means as soon as you're willing to see all sides you're less likely to slip into judgmental lopsided reactive behavior uh, you don't see people who see all sides and can make a decision jumping up and down with um, reactive lopsided uh, opinions necessarily when you see all sides. So, so helping the brain or the green zone in the brain or the executive center function is A, engaging the empathy part of your brain, holding a little bit of compassion for the people around you. 
Uh, the next thing that will really help the prefrontal cortex or that executive center of your brain is mindfulness meditation. Uh, so there's lots of research uh, that shows that regular practice of mindfulness meditation actually boosts that part of the brain. Now I've got a whole podcast on mindfulness meditation and also an online course if you're interested. But that practice, I'm not going to explore that further, but that practice regularly starts to strengthen that prefrontal cortex or that executive center in the brain. Now, gratitude is another thing that can start to help there. So just holding a little piece of gratitude in your heart, asking yourself at the end of each day, what went well today? I mean, we all get to the end of our day and start to complain with our you know, partners or whatever, or our family, all the things that went wrong. And it becomes this kind of, well, I had a battle here and a battle there and that went wrong and this is not great. And, and, and by the time you get through all of that, you don't necessarily feel any better <laughs> at the end of that conversation. So start a conversation with your partner or your family. What went well for you today? <laughs> and so, suddenly you can start to tip that kind of gratitude part of your brain, which is uh, well supported in the executive center. Now, there are another uh, couple of key things that can start to help calm down the red zone or the stress response zone so we want to boost the green zone or boost the executive center with compassion gratitude seeing all sides uh, and having some uh, empathy uh, then we want to reduce the red zone as best we can and a couple of really easy things or easy ways of doing that is relaxing the upper belly letting it completely hang out for a moment and just taking a slow breath and allowing the belly to expand as you breathe in and then lengthening the exhalation. So what we find in people that are in a stress mode or if they're in that red zone situation in their, in their nervous system where the, where the sympathetic system accelerator pedal is on high alert and we're in the danger zone, their respiratory rate changes and the way their diaphragm moves changes. Uh, and so part of uh, tipping the balance and reducing that red zone response is to just calm the breath down. So lengthening the exhalations and softening the belly. So taking a slow breath, allowing the belly to expand, perhaps having a little pause at the top and then letting the exhale lengthen. So if you breathe in for two or three or four, see if you can breathe out for six or seven and eight, and just do that for a few minutes. And that can start to calm that kind of red zone response. Uh, so boosting empathy, boosting compassion, seeing all sides, and then reducing the red zone with slow belly breaths, lengthening your exhalations are all sort of short term uh, tips that can actually start to help your nervous system. Now there's much more, a lot more evidence on long-term management of, of the stress response and though that um, long-term management rather than a short-term quick fix, long-term management can be, can be things like getting into nature, exercise, sleep health diet all of these things start to ensure that our nervous system is much healthier and less reactive but they're long-term management strategies not short-term hacks so the short-term hacks really are just slowing your breath down and trying to lengthen that exhalation if you can so far what i've explained is the seesaw in the brain when the stress button is pressed the red zone starts to fire off you start to get ready to run that red zone is not necessarily a very accurate place it might see a stick and think it's a snake <laughs> sometimes it's not necessarily a, a reactive cascade that you need to be going down necessarily running away from sticks and so once that cascade is on permanently or on more frequently, then our brain health starts to suffer and our capacity to have empathy, see all sides, make clear decisions suddenly goes off the radar like a seesaw. Uh, so I want to now just outline the kind of practical take-home tips that you can take to start to tip the seesaw and calm your own stress response. The first thing I would suggest, tip number one, if you're experiencing a stress response, the first tip I can give you is just to ask yourself 
is my stress response benefiting me or anybody else right now? That simple question can start to tip the brain to ask, oh, maybe I don't need to react this way. Maybe my response really isn't going to benefit me. Now, there are certain situations where that question will come back with a yes. If I see a child about to run across the road, will my stress response benefit me? Yes, it'll or benefit somebody else. Yes, it's going to benefit that child. So, uh, so there are certain situations where yes, running away from a stake or catching a child on a road or avoiding a near car accident, all of these situations are where the stress response, yes, it would benefit. But if you've got too many emails, your family's driving you crazy, someone's annoying you at work, there's too much traffic, is my stress response benefiting me? Often we'll come back with the answer well actually maybe it's not and I recall this in my in my own journey in my own learning probably 15 years ago when I was working in a really busy uh, sports medicine clinic down in Sydney fantastic team fantastic clinic but it was booked up back to back with patients and it was it was a really busy and really hard to stay on time uh, and I recall I really like to be on time for my patients, but invariably what, what would happen is that I might take an extra five minutes with a patient because there was an extra problem. And that five minutes means I need to spend a bit more time with my next patient because they feel like they've been a bit cut short with their appointments. So then I start to run into a cascade of running 10 minutes late, then 15 minutes late. And what would happen in my brain is that I my stress response would start to trigger. I'd start thinking, oh, God, I can't cope with this. I'm running now 15 minutes late. I'm never, never going to have time for lunch. How am I going to finish these doctor's letters? And as a result of that stress response, I would start to get short with people because I start to slip into my reactive mind rather than my clear objective see all sides mind. So my reactive mind, uh, the patient would sit down and I'd be like, okay, explain to me what, how can I help you? And if they couldn't get the words out, I'd feel myself getting agitated. Like, can't you say it quicker? Because I'm running really late, uh, <laughs> which is really not a beneficial way to be treating my patients and it certainly wasn't benefiting them or me uh, and becoming reactive and stressed wasn't making me go faster and it certainly wasn't making me catch up time and so I, I, I recall observing myself doing this uh, at some point and when I was running about 15-20 minutes late at that stage for my patients uh, in my diary and I remember just stopping and washing my hands and thinking to myself is my stress response benefiting me or anyone else right now? And the answer was actually no, it really wasn't. Uh, in actual fact, it was probably detrimental. It was detrimental to my, my therapeutic relationships with patients. It was detrimental to my decision-making with patients. I, very hard to make a clear decision about a treatment pathway or a diagnosis if you're stressed. So I then realized that, you know what, I actually don't have to react this way. And I switched it off. I actually contacted the girls at the front desk and said, look, can you just text my next patients and tell them I'm running 15 minutes late? That's that's how it is. That was the answer. So at least my patients knew. Uh, and once that was done, then I can only do my best. And I'm a human and I want to spend time with my patients. And sometimes that may, meant that I ran late. Uh, and so as soon as I conquered that with just the simple question, is my stress response benefiting me? Suddenly my day was clearer. I could make clearer decisions. I actually caught up a little bit of time. Um, I had more connection with my patients because I wasn't operating out of that place of reactivity. Does that make sense? So the first key tip, the first key tip that you, you need when you're uh, experiencing stress and you're reactive and volatile is simply to ask the question, is this benefiting me or anybody else right now? And if the answer is no, your brain has a chance to kind of go, okay, maybe I don't need to press this stress button. 
Now the problem is if you're already well down the cascade of stress and you're already super reactive, uh, part of it's trying to rein it in. And so really asking the question, is this benefiting me, is a question that needs to be asked pretty early to be effective. If you're already down the cascade, sometimes it's a little harder. So the next key tip is to focus on your breathing. So just stop, let your belly relax and see if you can do two or three minutes or even 30 seconds of lengthened exhalations. So first key tip, is this response benefiting me or anyone else? Second key tip, soften the belly, take a slow exhalation and allow the belly to expand into your hands when you inhale. So that, that belly actually gets to move rather than just breathing up into your neck. Third key tip that I want to share is to press pause before you act or react because ultimately you want your executive center that sees all sides and can make some decisions to actually catch up. So if for example I'm walking down a bush track and I see that stick and the stress button part of my brain presses an alert and says hang on it's a snake we better start running. If part of my brain just says hang on a minute just pause is it actually a snake and I take a look Oh, it's not a snake, it's just a stick. That little moment of pause has allowed my prefrontal cortex or my executive center to catch up, see the big picture and go, do you know what? I probably don't need to react to this. I don't need to create a great cascade. I can just continue on my way and know that I'm safe. So that little pause before you act or react can sometimes mean that you uh, don't jump to conclusions so quickly. You don't leap into the me versus you battle zone so readily. So just pausing and saying, okay, am I seeing all sides? Am I being objective here or am I just being reactive? So what you want to be able to do is to create decisions and actions from an inspired place of calm objectivity rather than habitual reactivity. And that will only happen when your executive center in your brain has a chance to be present to help you make decisions. So I hope uh, all of this uh, today, the stress response and how it affects your brain health uh, has helped you today manage some of your stressful events. Of course, I teach this in more detail on the Rise Up uh, Women's Retreats that I run in conjunction with running that um, with my online program that helps women navigate challenging times. But that snippet of how to calm your nervous system down, I hope has helped you today. Have a great day. If you like what you've heard, it'd be great if you could rate and review this podcast from wherever you are listening. And don't forget to click subscribe so you'll be notified when we release our next episode.